0: What can we do to fight back against big pharma and the compromised medical industry? We can become healthy and break free from the perpetual cycle of being poisoned by criminal organizations like most pharmaceutical companies. Come check out what may be the most powerful antioxidant known to man C60 Purple Power. The benefits of C60 have been personally outstanding. I use it every day and I feel incredible. I have tons of energy, I sleep great, and I haven't even come down with a cold since I started using C60 over two years ago. You can even get C60 for your pets. Do your own research, click the link in the description, and check out their website. If you order from that link or use coupon code KNOWLEDGE10, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping. What is your health worth to you? Forbidden Knowledge News, I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today my guest is Amy Belair. First, I have a couple of announcements. Do you have a business? Do you have a podcast? Do you produce content, music, artwork? If you're someone embracing their inner creator and you want to share it with our audience by advertising with us, email me. ForbiddenKnowledgeNews at gmail.com. We're doing incredible productions for our affiliates, and I work very closely with each and every one of you on an individual basis to create the most effective ad possible. Also check out our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.News. It's also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. This is where you find some of your favorite podcasts from our community, like Raised by Giants, Going Down the Rabbit Hole, Understanding Propaganda, Day Zero, and more. Forbidden Knowledge News is always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and all podcast platforms. Rockfin is where you get the premium content. You also get all the premium content from every creator on Rockfin for only $10 a month. You can also create a free account, get access to tons of free content, including all our regular shows. You just go to rockfin.com FKN plus or click the link in the description to sign up. Today I want to welcome Amy Belair. She is a starseed activator, priestess, oracle, channel, and Akashic soul guide. She translates and anchors powerful multi-dimensional light codes into the 3D human experience, doing her sacred part to assist the human collective to wake up within the dream. Amy, welcome. How you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm having an awesome day. Thanks. How are you doing?
0: I'm great as well. I'm having a pretty good day myself. It's great to have you on Uh, today. I want to find out more about yourself. You call yourself a Palladian Arcturian hybrid, and you also channel information from these beings to help certain individuals through their awakening process. I think I'm kind of close on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, I've interviewed many people that claim to channel ETs or inter- interdimensional beings, many of which, you know, I believe genuinely are communicating with something. Uh, but I also believe there are times where these people may not be exactly sure what they're communicating with, or if it's something that's being completely honest with them. Now, I want to get into all of this because I'm fascinated with with the aspects of channeling and the information that comes through. And I always think if the information is going to somehow help the person or it's for the betterment of society or humanity, then I don't see anything wrong with any of the information that comes out if it's good. Um, You know, if it's deceitful, that's something different. And I want to get into, into that as well. But this is your first time on. Uh, tell us a bit about your your background and how this all started for you.
1: Okay, cool. Well, all right. This all really started, I think, when I... Technically, it started when I was two. And I just knew that I was here. I knew that I was born for a reason. Like I, I literally remember being two years old and knowing that I um, was here to work with babies and have babies. And that I was also here to speak to what felt like to me, the way it translated to me was like, I imagined myself speaking to large groups of people. Um, and speaking, ch- I knew I didn't call it channeling cause I was two, but channeled information. Like I just knew it was coming from somewhere higher and it was coming through my, my heart that would <laughs> cause people to stop their conflicts, I guess, essentially, like in, in my mind, I imagined like all these people holding weapons and then hearing what I was saying and being, looking at their hands and looking at the weapons and being like, what are we doing? And just putting them down and, you know, ending like w- world strife, I guess. Um, but, but it didn't feel like they were my words. It felt like I was a vessel for it, but I was too. So that's really when it all started. And then I kind of added like a normal childhood and a normal teenagehood. But when I was 18, I started to have an awakening and my perception of reality became very disjointed. Uh, I started experiencing things like um, time loops and just an understanding, a realization that the time did not happen in the linear sequential way that we talk about and the way that we measure it. And which I know is like commonly discussed now, but At the time I'm 40 now so that was 22 years ago and I felt so crazy and like who do I talk about this to it it was nuts like I would actually experience time loops meaning that I would connect to a future version of my consciousness and feel like I was in a constant ongoing deja vu and then later when I got to that future part of my consciousness realizing like oh This is me like remembering back and impressing myself on my previous time and connecting to myself from these two different points in time. It it was really, really crazy making. And it carried on like that through my 20s where I just had a series of experiences that I wouldn't have called them psychic phenomena. Now I do. But at the time I had a misunderstanding, like because I wasn't talking to ghosts or anything like that. I didn't think I was psychic, but I was was having these um, like visual and cognitive downloads about the nature of reality and things like that. Um, Feeling totally nuts, having very hard time doing things like holding down a job because of all this and feeling very alienated. And then in my thirties, I kind of became resolute. And I was like, I need to get my shit together. I also had a son when I was 23 and um, was a a single mother for most of my twenties. So when I was, when I was 30, I was like, I need to get my shit together and I need to get like a real career and be able to provide for my son. And, you know, um, for a few years, I lived with my parents and I was like, I need to get out of their house. So, I decided to pursue becoming a midwife because, in my mind, in my super naive mind, I just thought like, oh my gosh, I just get to receive babies um, like interdimensional travelers <laughs> when they land here, and I felt like I could encode them with love and let them know that no matter what their life was going to bring, they would. I would. I hoped they would always have this memory of being received by someone who loves them. And then they would know that this world isn't all bad. Um, and I say naively because I was able to do that, but the medical system is not built to be spiritual. So, you know, the, the tasks of being a healthcare practitioner in, I'm in Canada. So in Ontario, Canada, um, we are like, um, midwives are like doctors. Um, you're licensed, you're registered, you work in, in the hospital, you do, you do home births, hospital births, you have a clinic, all the same kind of things. And the tasks assigned to a healthcare practitioner do not allow space for, you know, those kind of like touchy feely, spiritual sort of things. Um, and then also in the middle of my, my career path, which was relatively short as a midwife, I became pregnant. And with my second child and through a series of just small incidental things, I ended up um, giving birth to him at 26 weeks of gestation, which is, you know, that's three months early. So it's very, very premature. And Um, He lived for 20 days, but on the 20th day, we had to let him go because he just experienced some complications and there was really no, no coming back for him. Um, And that was the hardest thing that I've ever lived through the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. But he, he was such a huge gift to me because that experience Really shattered my ego to absolute smithereens. My perception of self, like, was gone. Like my son was gone. My perception of self was gone. My career was gone because I kind of, I just knew I was not going to be able to midwife anymore. I kind of made myself go back and try, but it was very hard to do it after that. Um, very painful and triggering, and I also, you know, was full of grief and I missed him so much and. Um, but through the process, it was very magical. He, I felt his presence before he was even conceived. That's true for all. I have four living, um, four children, three living children. And that's been true for all of them. I felt them there before I even got pregnant. And then I felt him while I was pregnant. I was on bed rest for six weeks before he was born because my water broke at 20 weeks. And I had to like, constantly be present with him to navigate the uncertainty of that. And so like I cultivated a strong connection with him. And so after he died, it was really easy for me to get messages from him. But I noticed that those messages didn't come when I was in the depths of the grief. They only came when I was sort of in the the breaks because the, the grief comes and goes um, like waves. So I realized, oh it's, it has to do with like my vibration, my consciousness. And I, he was like my dangling carrot, my shiny carrot that gave me the incentive to learn how to fine tune my vibration so that I could be receptive to connecting with him. And I still had to be very, like, there was no way around the grief. So I definitely was grieving, but When those breaks came, I learned how to um, really maximize them and quickly fine tune my energy so that I could be in connection with him. And what that ended up um, doing was it connected me to, like, it opened me up to all kinds of things like plant spirit consciousness, crystals, um, animals, other people, other people's babies, all kinds of things. So he kind of gave me a spiritual activation, psychic activation crash course and also through him i learned how to access the akashic records so that i could understand why he died and um i learned how to do it and i got the answer that i needed and it was the most healing thing that i've ever experienced it was instantaneous healing uh so that you know i can talk about it and not i genuinely don't feel i don't feel like anything bad happened it was very painful But it was not a tragedy. It was what was supposed to happen. And he is not diminished by it. I'm not diminished by it. It completely changed my perspective. And so from from there, like all of that was so powerful that it just completely changed my life path and kind of brought me back to the person that I was before I tried to make myself get my shit together and become a normal. (laughs) And uh, it just it reunited me with the part of myself that was always meant to do this work.
0: That is incredible. Now, when did you um, realize that you were communicating with also off-planet entities?
1: It was, so in the year after he died, I, I just kind of dove into everything that I had been interested in, but that I had been keeping myself separate from because I was afraid of what other people would think about me. Like I had this really big shadow, um, like this fear of being seen as like flaky or a hippie or being like disregarded, having basically having my perspective and any wisdom that I had to bring being disregarded because people just, you know, would think that I was woo woo and full of shit or something like that. Um, But after he died, it's like, I just did not have (laughs) the bandwidth to give it crap about what anybody thought about me. So I started to really consider um, aliens or extraterrestrials at that time, because I just no longer cared if anyone thought I was a conspiracy theorist. And I think I heard the term starseed for the first time in 2016. So he died in 2016. And I heard somebody talking about being a Pleiadian and that just like sparkled my, I don't know, just rung my bells or something. And I started looking into that, but that wasn't my first, it kind of was like a puzzle piece that helped things to make sense for me, because that was not my first understanding of myself as not being just an earth human. I had these I would always been interested in this kind of stuff. So in my twenties, I, I was reading the books, um, journey of souls and destiny of souls by Dr. Michael Newton. And, um, I remember reading, a um, you know, a transcription of a hypnosis session with a woman who was having memories of being, I think like a flying being on a different planet. And I read that and I was like, somebody else has lived somewhere else. Like I just always knew that I was not necessarily like from here and yet I feel very at home on earth. So I don't really know what to make of that, but I I always, and I have these past life memories. My first two past life memories were one of them might've been earth and just like a different version of earth. I don't know, but one of them was definitely not earth. And so I knew that I had lived elsewhere, but like I said, I just, I didn't have, I didn't have all the answers or all the understanding. And then when I heard somebody talk about being Pleiadian, I just like started Googling Pleiadians and went down the whole rabbit hole that usually people go down, including all the terrible Buzzfeed quizzes and, and all that stuff. Um, And I, I learned to use my own discernment. Like I, I pretty quickly realized that like, no, there's no way to verify any of this stuff. Right. So we can't take anything that anybody reports, including anything that I report at, at like total face value as if it's like the gospel truth, because, well, even that's a, that's a weird term to use, isn't it? Um, but as if it's like fact, because it's not, it is people doing their best to interpret very abstract energy that, and, and put it into human words. So I just learned to use my discernment and connect with um, the different realms that I can connect with and figured out that I definitely, I believe that I'm Pleiadian. I actually, I I think it's on my website. That's probably where you saw the Pleiadian-Arcturian hybrid, right? But I just recently, like last week kind of was like, you know what? I don't actually think I'm Arcturian. I know I have an Arcturian guide and my oldest son is Arcturian. And I think they just make sense to me and, and I relate to them but I think I'm pleading an Andromeda hybrid. But even then it's like a journey to, you know, understand these things about ourselves.
0: Well, that brings me to, um, your understanding of our relationship with them and their interest in us. And are they some sort of ancient ancestors? Are we, are they, are we their experiment? Uh, what do you, what is your understanding of why they have an interest in human humans?
1: Yeah. Okay. So what I believe is that these are holographic simulations. Um, I think even the other worlds that I see are holographic simulations. This definitely is a holographic simulation. And what I, what I can connect with is that there is an aspect of us that are both we're both the creator and the created the observer and the observed um so there's an aspect of us outside of the simulation watching all of this and there's an aspect of us living you know as humans within the simulation and I do believe that this simulation got hijacked and kind of, you know, went in a direction that it wasn't necessarily originally intended to go and that we are experiencing an evolution of our consciousness that allows us to um like re-recode the simulation but also leave the simulation if we want to. Like to an extent I do believe that we're kind of stuck here. Like I don't know I don't know about the full prison planet aspect, but there are qualities that do feel like a prison planet situation to me anyway. And I believe that the, the ultra or extra dimensional beings like Pleiadians, Arcturians, Andromedans, etc. some of them are super high dimensional and are creator beings. And so they, they are like our, they had a hand in our creation. Some of them are in adjacent simulations, and they're like you know they just they want to help us figure out how to recode this simulation so that it's not hijacked anymore, um so that our consciousness can, um, uh, I guess expand and ascend. Uh, and I believe though that like a rising rising tide raises all ships, so that's kind of their interest in us. Like as we ascend, they ascend. If that makes sense.
0: Our new affiliate, Ascent Nutrition, which was founded by my good friend Lance Shuttler, is making a huge difference in our community. Last week, I talked about the amazing benefits of Ascent Nutrition's pine pollen. Now it's time to check out their organic coffee. Ascent's coffee is organic mold and mycotoxin free and some of the cleanest and best tasting coffee in the world we just got our bag of a organic coffee beans last week and it's already almost gone I'm a huge coffee guy and this coffee is awesome there's no going back to store bought coffee for me Visit GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your organic, mold, and mycotoxin-free coffee. Or just click the link in the description to check out all the amazing products Ascent Nutrition has to offer. Yes, it does. Now, I uh, had a very profound contact experience i guess you could say and this was a couple of years ago this was my first ever uh paranormal or uh, unexplained experience that i've ever had and i've been doing this forever and i've been you know looking into this stuff for a long time i kind of invited the the experience i was uh i had started meditation i was really into it and i was kind of looking to contact uh, spirit guides or my higher self and it, it did happen um it also you know, led to plenty of other connected, profound paranormal experiences. Uh, One of them being I was uh, during a meditation session, I was taking on to a ship, Uh, not only with my, what I, perceived as my spirit guides, but seemingly extraterrestrial beings, and this all seems to be very connected to our spiritual growth, our consciousness, who we are, and it's just such a personal experience that this whole uh, simulation that we created type uh, theory, that is what I've been really looking at lately is that we may have created this uh, for ourselves as a a spiritual or consciousness evolution tool. And like you said, it may have gotten hijacked and that makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really cool that you had that experience. I, I, Oh, I would love to hear about it if you'd be willing to share, like, what does shit Well, yeah, well, I've like told this and... plenty
0: of times here, but I'll give you a little okay. basic synopsis. It was through a meditation session. I was speaking with what I now understand as uh, one of my speakers spirit guides, Um, and I don't even know if that, he or it or whatever is actually human, it just appears in my consciousness as this beautiful blue light that gives me unconditional love and, you know, these amazing feelings that I've uh, never felt on on this earth before, as well as information about my own growth, and, you know, the the experiences started out with, you know, this, uh, my spirit guide telling me to heal childhood traumas and all these things that I need to do for my spiritual growth, and the conversations eventually got deeper, and I wanted to know more. And during one session, I was actually laying in the tub because I was told to, because water would kind of help, uh, like a conduit during this situation. And uh, in this meditative state, I was taken on a ship. I met not only a bunch of my spirit guides around me, but uh, seemingly animal-human hybrid beings in little robes that were kind of uh, showing, giving me all these feelings of love and guidance and all this profound information. And that experience uh, led to a a bunch of other things that kind of led me to where I'm at now, you know, to to quitting a horrible day job, to doing this uh, as a talk show full time. So it was a pretty incredible experience, really.
1: Yeah, it sounds incredible. And it really, it's so interesting to me because Even just over the last, like this year, just the last six months of this year, I've had so many, um, I don't know, messages that really align with what you experienced. So it feels very validating to me to hear them. For example, one of the things that I got in early February was that um, we're actually all already on the ships. And um, that this is this is a simulation. It's a different kind of simulation, almost like Earth. The Earth realm used to be more solid and physical, like it was more of a three D realm. And we we talk about it in terms of being three D, but it's actually not. It's actually like a four D simulation. And that the whole purpose of it is kind of like three D Earth is over. Gaia has pieced out this was her simulation too, and she's like, I'm done. Um, I'm going on to something else and our consciousness has to catch up with that. And in order to catch up with it, we have to number one, heal trauma. Like there, we are all walking around with these open ends of trauma, you know, spewing our trauma everywhere. Um, So we have to heal trauma. We have to kind of like complete our story, our, our narrative arc, our personal narrative arc. And number three, to truly manifest all that we like desire from a heart's desire place. And when we do those three things, we're able to really understand the simulation for what it is, and then be able to exit it and go to a different, so it feels, just feels like a different, a different simulation or something like that. Um, But I also had this experience like maybe eight weeks ago now of waking up in the middle of the night and remembering that I had just been on a ship and I had been talking to um, the most beautiful alien being and she basically like activated me to start speaking light language, which I previously, honestly, I previously thought light language was bullshit. And, and then I had this experience and I woke up in the morning and was just speaking light language. Um, and that was my first memory of being on a ship. And I, I woke up in the middle of the night and was like, I couldn't even sleep for three hours. I, I was like, that was not a dream. I was definitely I was definitely somewhere and it's very it's just very interesting that so many of us are having these experiences. I know yours was a couple of years ago, um, but it feels like they're happening more and more for people all the time.
0: Right. And well, what we're seeing right now is very profound, I believe, with the the awakening uh stages that people are going through right now I I have people in my life that I never thought that I'd, I'd hear them talk about spiritual concepts and uh the things that are hidden and occulted and they are actually you know really into this stuff now and more and more people seem to be uh coming online awakening questioning narratives and uh seeking some sort of uh, spirituality and I find it incredible and I think that there's so many people that are doing this that it we may even become you know a majority here soon uh on this planet and i think that those the dark ones the globalists the elitist those that keep us in uh, this state of darkness uh seem to be uh, reacting to this in a way that they understand that there's some trouble for them coming up
1: mm-hmm. yeah i think so <sighs> I feel like they, um, they want to keep, I feel like we're approaching an exit point, like a mass exit point. Like, um, there's, there's just going to be this opportunity where all those who are ready to exit the simulation are able to exit the simulation. And mind you, when I say that I, I don't mean go to a new planet, like physically, like get aboard ships and, and fly to a new planet to me, the way it comes through is like, if we were all, all in a room and we had these VR headsets on and we're experiencing um, this, you know, collective simulation experience, we have uh, the collective one and our individual one. And it's like, there's going to be this opportunity where we can take our headsets off and leave the simulation. Uh, And yet there are some that we would call the elites that really don't want that to happen. They're not ready yet. Um, They're not ready to get right with what they've created here and they want to it's like they got a good thing going and so they want to kind of like keep a bunch of people's consciousness here with them
0: what are your thoughts about the the concept that there may be non-player characters here with us in this simulation that not necessarily have, you know, what we call a soul or this divine spark that they're just part of this, uh, whatever the simulation is.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting question. And I mean, last year I just felt like, no, everybody I've met, I've never, I've never met a, a non-player character. Um, and so I was kind of, thinking of it in those linear terms and feeling like who am I to say somebody doesn't have a soul? I'm pretty sure everybody has a soul and the people that just kind of parrot the same shit over and over are really just there in a deep, deep trauma response, which makes them very susceptible to brainwashing. But now I kind of understand it differently where I believe, so in one Akashic reading that I did a couple years ago, I saw that the the woman that I was doing the reading for was part of a drip down consciousness of a higher dimensional being that was on a ship. And it's almost like they had these little labs. Um, and the, in it's so hard to describe. It's like almost like they had these labs and they had little characters. They had like five little characters And they would send their consciousness down into these characters, but the characters um, came on a vertical line. Like, so if, you know, everything above my hand is on the ship. So the the higher being is on the ship and then the vertical, the, the characters are on this vertical line. And so the one that is the highest up has the most of that being's consciousness in it. And then the next one down has just a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And the one at the bottom has, Almost none. And what I understand from that is that there are people here who I wouldn't say that they don't have souls, but that they have a very diluted amount of creator consciousness in them. And that doesn't mean they're inferior. It's just their physical body has a diluted amount of creator consciousness. Uh, So they they don't really, they're probably ones that we would think of as being NPCs. They don't seem to be operating by the same levels of free will and personal responsibility that many others are. They get sort of trapped in in loops very easily. But I also think that probably there are um, NPCs that... I think the, I think the design is very sophisticated so that we think every person is a real person, but it's almost like they appear and then they, you know, for the sake of like crowds, you know what I mean? If, if we're at a full stadium, like possibly not every person in that stadium is real. It's like a a simulated input that creates for each of us in our own individual simulation, the sensation of being in a crowd.
0: Right. Wow. Now, do you think that's what happens with things like uh the Mandela effect where, you know, large amounts of people will have this distinct remembering or memory of something and it'll just all of a sudden change one day. I mean, the most recent example, of course, is Brittany's skirt. Or do you think it's something like a collective misremembrance or uh them they those screwing with us?
1: <laughs> and them they those screwing with us. I do. Yeah. I really do. I think that they're like with all this CERN crap and, you know, just the various things that they're doing. I think that they're dialing around through different timeline probabilities to try and find a timeline that is the most suitable to them and the most beneficial. And that, uh, you know, so a lot of us are shifting timelines without necessarily realizing it, or the timelines get shifted on us. And some of us just kind of remember, like, I remember hearing somebody talk about, maybe it was on the Grimerica show or something like that, but they were enumerating a whole bunch of different um, Mandela effect things. And the one that totally blew my mind was the fruit of the loom logo. I was like, it 100% had a cornucopia. I know it did. Like I remember it so clearly. Why would I, why would I make that up? And I had never heard anybody talking about it before. Um, And, and just like, it doesn't make sense to me that we would have a collective misremembrance. I totally feel like they're, yeah, they're dialing through different timelines. Man, that's crazy.
0: Well, since you mentioned CERN, uh, we've had plenty of indications that what they're doing over there is pretty nefarious and uh, it's going against the natural order in many ways. Uh, but there's some believe that they've already kind of contacted these like quantum entities and they're uh, that's they've already uh, brought them into our technological systems and there's like this AI infiltration because of this. I just want to get your thoughts on that.
1: Hmm. So when you say quantum entities, what do you mean?
0: Well, uh, you hear... People like Jordy Rose talk. Uh, he uh, he works for D Wave now, and he was talking about contacting the old ones—these entities that exist in different realms that can be accessed through quantum computing somehow—and uh, talking about you know how they don't have any interest in humanity, and they've they've already somehow been able to contact them. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, if you have any.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my thoughts on it are that I I think that. Many of us are the beings that, or we're offshoots, I don't know, whatever, we're, we're the reincarnation, I don't know, of the beings that we would call the Anunnaki. Um, meaning that w- those are the ones that we kind of like credit as being the, the Nephilim or the fallen angels or whatever that created um, or, or came and invaded this realm, not created this realm, invaded it. And I think a lot of that is a skewed misrepresentation, misinterpretation, but I do, I have memories, (laughs) not verifiable, but I have these internal experiences of remembering being part of the modification of the initial human beings that were here or the pre humans that were here. It's like, we, we found this realm and we were like, cool it's pretty nice here and also these beings could be really suitable incarnation avatars for us to come hang out here when we want to we just need to make a couple mods and so we modify the dna to allow them to be allow our energy and consciousness to come be in human bodies without totally blowing their circuitry Um, and being fairly comfortable within the the human body as well. And some of the hijacking that I understand is like, I really do feel like, I don't know if there was an actual individual Anki and an individual Enlil. To me, it feels more like factions. Like there was a a faction that kind of just wanted to keep this realm for their shits and giggles and keep humans as their um, slaves, even though it was their own consciousness incarnating in humans. It's kind of like an example I recently used is like cloning yourself and then bossing your clones around being like, I cloned you to do my work so that I don't have to do any, you know what I mean? Um, So like they wanted to keep humans from ascending in their consciousness, didn't want to keep them or didn't want to allow them to have like a lot of creator consciousness accessible to them so that they could have this realm that they have dominion over. And then um, the faction that we would associate with, or I associate with Enlil, no, Enki, um, really wanted the opposite, was like, I want to see what humans can do. I want to see what I can do in a human form. I want to see how I can ascend in my consciousness here. And so there's this division that was created. And so on one hand, that's what I mean, where like I can dial into the experience of being outside of this and watching it and being in it at the same time. And I think in, in contacting the old ones, I think it's the elites who are the incarnated aspect of the Enlil faction that wants to keep dominion over this whole place. And they're trying to like access their the higher dimensional aspect of themselves and bring that energy in to like further kind of weave spells over this realm to keep it how they want it to be. And they're doing that through yeah, like going against the laws of nature because I do even though I believe that this is a holographic simulation, I believe that it, it has an organic aspect to it meaning that there there are like there are rules. There's I've I feel like it's founded on um, a Trinity code, like there is a literal um, source code to this simulation, and it's created with like the Trinity, the number three. And there are ways that energy expresses itself here that are natural, and they are going against that to try and um, sort of hijack it.
0: Yeah, well, it would make sense. One of my favorite things uh, just about my show in general is not only the diversity of the topics that I have, but the difference and the diversity of guests, even within that we're talking about the same thing, say UFOs. My guest yesterday... Uh love him. L.A. Marzulli has a completely different view of aliens and what's going on than than yourself and many of my guests, including myself. I mean, I agree with some things that he says, but he believes that they are all basically evil, demonic beings that are here for the enslavement of humans or uh, the hybridization of humans and integrating their DNA and basically taking over the planet, which is no good. Um, now, I believe there may be some. Alien factions out there, some beings that may not have our best interest in mind, and that might have been tinkering with our DNA and creating hybrids as well. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that aspect.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's a matter of perspective. Like I I think he's we're probably tapping into the same things and just seeing it from a different perspective. So if I he's possibly I don't want to speak for him, but I imagine that he's potentially really feeling like his human perspective, like very anchored in the human experience and the reality that we experience tremendous suffering here. Right. Um, you know, there there's so much pain. There is so much corruption. There are some very not cool things happening here and people feel it and live through it and feel a lot of misery. And from that perspective, the idea that, any higher dimensional being um, from any <laughs> other realm is coming in and bucking with our DNA to use us as incarnation vessels or use us as like, uh, yeah, like avatars to have like shits and giggles basically, um, or to get us to do their work feels very demonic. It feels very evil. And, but when I tap into the perspective of being those higher dimensional beings and like one of one of my gifts is I've ever since I was about 21, I keep giving information, being given information about infinity, and infinity is infinitely huge. It's mind-boggling, like so it's it's infinite. And so from the perspective of like literal infinite creation, the experience that humans have is negligible in the same way that we do not stop and think about the experience that our cells are having or that our microbiome is having. And yet from the perspective of our, you know, the bacteria in our guts or on our body at all, they're probably having like whole entire experiences that we can't even fathom because we're not dialed into that level of consciousness. And we don't give two thoughts about it as we stuff our faces with garbage food and, you know, Red Bull and like sugar. And the way that that impacts our microbiome, we don't even think about it because it's not on our radar at all. Does that make us demonic? Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. So I I think it's like, uh, not that he's wrong, but from his perspective, it makes sense to me that he would feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But that being said, I don't, I don't feel when I tune into like the different star being groups. So, so a lot, a lot of people resonate with being star seeds or galactics um, the same way that I do. So having had experiences um, where our soul, you know, took the form and the incarnation opportunity in a different realm. And the ones that come through the most frequently are by far Pleiadian. I think it's mostly Pleiadians here, but then there are a lot of Syrians, a lot of Lyrans, um, a smaller number of like Zetas, Alpha Centaurians, Andromedans, um, Arcturians, yeah, uh, pr- the, yeah, there's like there's other small groups here and there. But I think that like, for example, the Pleiadians and the, the Syrians, for the most part, they genuinely are in the higher dimensions. So that means that within their simulation, they understand it is a simulation. That's the big difference in Earth. It's like most of us have forgotten as a simulation. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we're capable of. And furthermore, we're programmed by the elites to perceive ourselves in this very, very like narrow, like these narrow confines, right? So um, and that's the hijacking, I believe, is what's going on. But Pleiadians, when I tap into their multiple realms, because they have more than one, it feels like they're what we would understand as fifth to seventh dimensional beings, they are connected through their heart field. They know it's a simulation. They are able to create consciously within that simulation and create from, um, a place of wanting the highest good for all beings. And I believe that's honestly what it was like here on earth before the hijacking started.
0: Well, while we're talking about hijacking and, possibly negative entities having influence on humanity who do you think did this hijacking do you think there is a certain race or is it a certain is it just us or is it humans that hijacked ourselves what do you think
1: so i i'm still the jury my jury is out on this a little bit i've seen reptilians in some akashic readings but when i tune into what reptilians are i feel like the best analogy i can come up with is like the skeksis from um the dark crystal have you ever seen that oh yeah 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 so i feel like because so so in the movie we learn that the skeksis are one um, half of the, these like higher beings, like literal star beings that came to, I can't remember the name of the planet, but came to that planet, um, from elsewhere and they kind of separated and half of them became Skeksis and half of them became mystics. And the, the mystics were beautiful, um, And the Skeksis became like hideously disfigured. Like I would call them like, that's what reptilians often look like to me. Not like little dinosaurs, but like, Oh, like, yeah. Hideous bird, dinosaur, scabby, gross. Yeah. Um, And so I think actually that's what it is. So rather, Cause I can tap into the Draco race, which a lot of which are reptilians and some of them are, you know, a lower frequency consciousness, but a lot of them are like dragons, like really beautiful, powerful, higher dimensional beings. So I don't really think it's, I don't think they're an outside race, like reptilians. I think it's all an outside race and yeah, half of it, just decided they wanted to like lord over this whole realm and just have absolute control and live in a state of like gluttony and just keep reincarnating into the same bloodlines and you know hoarding their their wealth and their power and remembering um and then inflicting kind of like a a frequency net over the rest of humanity that keeps us in a state of amnesia where we can't remember who we are
0: right Now, I want to talk a little bit about what light language is and light codes are. Uh, I've seen people talk in this light language. And, of course, you know, I've never heard it before. So there's no way of me telling what the hell they're saying or what's going on there. Uh, But it's pretty interesting. It sounds like a beautiful language. Um, Tell us a little bit about what this is and uh, what races originated this language.
1: Okay. So light language... I I can only speak for myself. To me, what it feels like is an actual language that's coming through me. And um, like there, it feels like there are words and um, it has a different structure. So it's really hard to draw the comparison to English, but it feels similar. Like something is being communicated on these frequencies. And um, so for me, like I said, I did not speak light language up until about, like I think it was about eight weeks ago, it wasn't even on my radar at all. It wasn't anything I was ever planning or that I was trying to do or was interested in. And then I had that experience of waking up on a ship and there was this alien, this female alien being or interdimensional being that was speaking to me telepathically and telling me that I need to start speaking this language. She didn't call it light language. She just said like that I have to start speaking to people, um, and making intense eye contact, but I knew, and I received it as like speaking like our true language, I guess is how I understood it. And I just call it light language because it feels like it's full of, to me, light is like consciousness and it is, um, you know, like illumination. Uh, so it feels like it's full of truth and it kind of has the benefit of bypassing our conscious minds. So like there are these, messages encoded into it that our conscious mind doesn't necessarily understand but it's like it doesn't need to understand it lands somewhere within us and changes and activates something within us um so that's what i understand light language to be now this being i'm not sure if i were to hazard a guess i would say that she's andromedan but i haven't quite figured it out she had she was humanoid looking she had this kind of lavender grayish colored skin and these aqua huge aqua eyes and the eyes didn't have any pupils or irises but they kind of like they reminded me of there these creatures on uh in the star wars universe that have like galaxies in their eyes or that's what it looks like i can't remember what they're called but it kind of looked like that like her eyes looked like it had like sparkling material inside of it um and she had a small mouth and i think she had a bit of a nose and, but she was speaking telepathically and she does not look anything like Pleiadians, Syrians, Lyrians, Arcturians, anyway. So I feel like it's probably Andromedan, but I don't, I don't even know for sure. Like a lot of this stuff bypasses my conscious mind and my conscious mind is just doing its best to keep up.
0: Yeah, right. Well, I noticed that whenever I get things like what people would call downloads is just these, this flood of information. I don't understand what the hell is coming through at first, but over maybe weeks or months, it starts to unfold in my brain. It's like, oh, yeah. that's what that was from. And I remember that. And that makes sense now. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What is light codes?
1: Light codes to me are parcels of information that I can translate into um, English language that carry truth and dispel illusion. So I believe that like one of the, one of the things that keeps us stuck here in this um, game, this simulation is all the illusion. So like, it's like we're functioning according to a bunch of false premises. And if, if we're doing that, that we can't really make any progress um, because we're, we're, we're just perceiving things incorrectly. So light codes are like little snippets of kind of channeled transmissions that bring truth to a given topic that kind of helps to dislodge people's including my own. Cause a lot of the time they come through and it's stuff that I did not know before. It's not a byproduct of my brain. Um, but it, it dislodges like something that was stuck in me, a perception that was false that allows me to start moving forward and, um, allows others to start moving forward.
0: Oh, sorry. I was muted. I want to get your thoughts on different timelines. Uh, there are individuals and groups that appear to be living in completely different realities depending on what you're paying attention to, uh, what you're, where you are in the planet, what your social status is, uh, what you're looking at on social media. Uh, I I always say that if you go and look at someone's, uh, say, Facebook or social media timeline, and they are a completely different political view from you, say, they're far left or you're far right. You you look at each other's news feed, and it's like you're living in a completely different world. You're going to see some crazy things that you had never seen before. And I think this is across the board for people right now who are – living in different uh, these different timelines some are living in fear and believe that there are these you know diseases out there that you have to wear a mask and get experimental injections on and then there's others that are just living their lives and there's different levels of this.
1: Yeah I haven't thought about this in about a year but I do think that we are there is um, a bifurcation of timelines and on both of these timelines, We actually, both timelines are headed toward the same singularity. I feel a singularity coming. I don't know when. Last year, I thought it was going to come, you know, within the year and it didn't. So I'm like, whatever, who, I don't need to, it's a fool's errand to try and predict when these things are going to happen. But I feel that we're going to approach a singularity. And yet I do think that the two different timelines potentially affect where we go or how it plays out for us. But what I see is that the majority of souls who are here. And I think the singularity is the exit point from this realm. Um, the majority of souls who are here, even the elites are ultimately going to decide to leave this realm when they are given the opportunity. But a lot of them will like jump to that timeline at the last minute. Um, Like they're going to, their egos are going to hold on to the bitter, bitter, bitter end to all the things that they think are theirs and all that makes them who they believe that they are. And, and yet there will be some who have chosen a, uh, a timeline of trying to figure out how to put it without like sounding overly sensational, like because I used to call it an inorganic timeline, but I just I think that lends itself to a bunch of sensationalism. So it's more like they're just gonna choose to like h- hang out in this in this frequency for longer, and it might be a bit of a darker frequency because they're kind of separating in terms of like people who are really on a fear and a dark trauma based frequency are you know resonating darker. Like the 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 density in that area is building and then people who are moving to a lighter frequency and like starting to have these memories and moving through their trauma and things like that, um, it's becoming lighter and lighter. So it's kind of like oil and water separating.
0: So ultimately when you say, uh, we would reach a singularity, what does that mean to you? Does that mean the timelines will converge into one?
1: I think, I think that there is an event That is unavoidable for no matter which timeline you're on or that you're resonating on. Like the event will affect both timelines. But if, say, if you're on the um, higher, lighter, higher frequency timeline and you're really committed to it, it's going to affect you differently than if you're on the lower frequency timeline and you're really committed to it. And but like I said, there are a lot of people that I think it's going to appear that they're on the lower frequency timeline until the event starts happening. And then they're like, whoa, and they jump to the other one. They're like, actually, I don't want I don't want to stay here for you know another however many life cycles or whatever.
0: Right, well, that one makes sense. Now, earlier when, when we first started the conversation, you were talking about how you were you were midwife because you wanted to kind of integrate or encode love into these these children. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that and what was what was your process of doing so?
1: Yeah, I would just, I mean, oh man, the, the real world application of it was so different from what I thought it would be in my mind because the whole time, you know, you're not ever working in isolation. You have, um, another midwife. If you're in a hospital, you often have nurses, maybe doctors present. Plus you have the partner and the woman and, you know, there's all these moving pieces and you're supposed to constantly be looking at the data and documenting everything you do. It's very, very left-brained. Um, but basically ultimately what it felt like is that if i was the person receiving the baby so the baby's literally being born and i'm the hands that are you know supporting it as it comes out um it was just having the intention of basically transmitting love through the the chakras in my palms um and just like holding that baby with love and everything is happening so fast that, you know, you don't really get to linger with somebody else's baby. Like the baby is born and you lift it up and put it on um, the mom's stomach. But it's just sort of that moment where it's like you're freshly emerged, but you're being born into hands of love that basically to me, it was like, I see you. I see you fellow soul. I see you. You're not just a brand new blank slate baby. You have, you know, lived, I don't know how many times and you are full of wisdom and I see you. Um, But then the other role for a midwife is, so there's a primary midwife and that's the one that receives the baby. And then there's um, a second midwife. And that is the one who does all the other things uh, after the baby's born, including the newborn exam. So you know, like maybe an hour after the baby's born, you have it at a warming center and you take all the measurements, at the size of its head and the length of its body. And that's where people get the weight and all that stuff. And you check that everything looks normal or, you know, take note of anything that's not normal. And that I loved that because I, nobody was watching me while I did it. So I really got to hang out with the baby and take my time and be really gentle and like stroke its cheeks and I would talk to the babies and literally say like, welcome back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes though I could tell that this was their first time here. And I was like, hey, welcome. It's hard here. (laughs) Uh, But just kind of like trying to talk to them and just, I don't know, like plant a seed in in their mind somewhere deeply, I'm sure inaccessible to their conscious mind where they know that there are other people here, other beings that can see what's going on. Cause I don't know if you can relate, but when I was a kid, even though I was a pretty normal kid, I was often like, what the fuck are these adults doing? I'm like, what is this backwards society? Um, so yeah, I just wanted to cover them with a, a knowing that they're not weird or wrong for having those thoughts there are others here that see it that way too.
0: Right. And I know, you know, from talking to so many people in the fields of paranormal and metaphysical, and just high strangeness in general, that children in general have a better connection to uh, the other realms, they, they, they're they closer to, to source, um, they're able to see and perceive things that uh, other people can't from a young age. Do you think that Receiving this this kind of uh, this loving energy whenever you come into the planet, instead of being traumatized and probably jabbed with all kinds of poisons that you don't really need at that time, can affect a child's perception in and to the other realms as it grows up.
1: I absolutely, I absolutely believe that, and I, I mean, I don't want to say that babies who are born. under traumatic circumstances in a hospital and jabbed with a bunch of things that they can't access the other realms. Cause I don't think that's true, but they're, you know, they're subjected to trauma as their very first impression of this realm. And that gets encoded into their, the foundation of their nervous system and their perception of being alive. And that I think that trauma is the biggest block to our psychic abilities is that we're, we're so traumatized. Being psychic means being open to very quiet, subtle information that's around us all the time. And if we're in a state of trauma, we're automatically contracted and we're trying to like stay safe. And my babies, um, with the exception of the one who was born prematurely, my other babies were all born at home. That was my choice. And I've definitely noticed a difference in their lucidity as well as with other babies who were born at home that it's like, if your entrance into the world is gentle and honoring of your, you know, the inherent intensity of that (laughs) transit in the first place, then you come in with a whole different, you're templated differently to experience life. Whereas if You know, I think about our parents' generations who are almost all born through like um, routine episiotomies, which means like basically cutting the woman's vagina open so that if there's a bigger, um, like it's bigger so the baby can pass through, totally unnecessary in most cases, and being pulled out with forceps. So like having metal instruments wrap around your head while you're in the middle of the birth canal and being pulled out how traumatic is that and then being like when our parents were born they were not automatically put on our mother on their mother's um chest or stomach they were immediately taken away and bathed before i brought back like that's so fucked up no wonder people are operating under like clouds of trauma that alone, if nothing bad ever happened to you in the rest of your life, and it was just that, like that could take an entire lifetime to heal.
0: Yeah, that makes me wonder how many people who are having these, these issues later in life can just it goes back to the extreme trauma that they've received, you know, growing up and being born in a certain era.
1: Totally. And I don't think that's by accident. I really think it's Um, part of the hijacking mechanism. I I really believe that we are corralled like from cradle to grave, very much like cattle, very much like livestock. Like we are um, sent through these probability tunnels and we have certain like sensory inputs, traumatic sensory inputs um, delivered to us at certain key times that make us feel like this is an unsafe place to be. Like we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust our intuition. We can't trust our adults because our adults are all hella traumatized. And, you know, so then like so many of us are just, like you said, for example, that you were working a day job that you really, really disliked and you made the decision to leave it and follow your dharma, which is to, you know, have conversations and and bring an expansion of consciousness to the world. But I'll, which is amazing and congratulations for that very powerful choice. A lot of people know that they're meant for something else, but that because of the trauma they've experienced, they just like can't break out of that probability tunnel they've been set on.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. And that was one of the hurdles I had to to cross is facing childhood trauma and, and getting rid of a lot of that pain. It's 100 percent correct. Uh, Amy, this was fantastic. Before you go, let everyone know what you're offering now um, and some of the things that you're doing to help people out.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um Okay, so I have the best place to find me is my podcast, Third Eye Awakening. Um, I also just basically talk about spiritual awakening and all kinds of crazy shit and psychic development and things like that. Um, have really good conversations there. I just started a Patreon uh, where it's going to be the landing place for all of my transmissions. So I get a lot of downloads and I just decided I need somewhere to share them all. So you can find me on Patreon. Um, Amy Belair is my creator name. And then I'm on Instagram as um, at cosmic oracle, cosmic oracle. I have a bunch of impersonators there. So just know that if I friend you and then I say something like, hello, beloved, the ancestors have drawn me to your picture and I would like to offer you a read. That is not me. I will never, never, never reach out to people and solicit a reading. Uh, I'm currently not even doing reading. So don't, don't give them your money. I have a Facebook group called soul space, which is free and it's a beautiful place to come and share all these crazy things as people are awakening more and more. It's a very interactive community. And then lastly, I have a website which is amybelair.com that has a store with a bunch of low cost kind of like programs, workshops, courses. And I occasionally run live courses too, which you can find information about there.
0: That is great. And to close out, we got, uh, you know, crazy shit happening in the world. There's a lot of despair, but I, uh, I have a lot of hope. Uh, I've, the past few years have been the best years of my life. And I see a lot of people that are having uh, really wonderful experiences during these times and awakening and becoming more spiritual. So I see great things happening. Uh, how do you feel about the, the future?
1: I, very similar to you. I feel very, very hopeful. I think what's happening is we're having, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. I think that they are, they're creating egregores and getting us to feed the egregores. Um, So, you know, like even the whole um, COVID thing like it just triggered a bunch of shit in us that had to get healed i think they were trying to control us with it but what happened is a lot of people took that trigger and worked through it and we are liberating ourselves more and more and um, we are creating beautiful new things so i have all kinds of hope in my heart all all kinds of optimism excellent
0: well this was fantastic we're gonna definitely have to talk again in the future for sure
1: yeah definitely you should come on my show
0: oh yeah anytime just name a date i'll be on there
1: (laughs) Amazing.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much
1: for this conversation.
0: Yes, thank you. And until next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll talk again tomorrow. We'll see y'all all then.